0: You're listening to the Big House Bleachers Podcast.
1: Welcome to the Big House Bleachers Podcast. I'm Michael Smeltzer, and I am flying solo right now. My guy Matt Hartwell is not feeling well, so... Uh, you know I'm doing this alone for a moment, but I've actually got Andy Bailey and Jared Stormer from the Out of the Blue podcast. Um, they will be joining me shortly for a very hilarious conversation. We've already recorded it. It's an incredible conversation. You will want to stick around to hear that. Um, so we've got a great show for you. Uh, before we jump in, let me remind our listeners that the Big House Bleachers podcast is brought to you by Fanatics. Fanatics is the one-stop shop for all your game day apparel, Michigan Wolverines or otherwise. If you guys are looking for some game day swag and you need a place to check out all the good Michigan gear in one place, head on into the description of the pod, find the Fanatics link at the bottom, click it, it'll take you right to the Michigan Wolverines Fanatic page and get all the maize and blue merch that that your heart desires all right, let's jump right in and talk a little bit about some football. Michigan defeated Rutgers this past weekend 31 to 7, which was a score that was about as predictable as you could imagine for a Michigan Rutgers game this season. Michigan seems to have an identity. Uh, Their offensive identity is still game control. It's not run up the score. It's Uh, usually get about 30 points or so. And in fact, they've done that in all four of their games. And then the defensive identity is, you know, basically shut out a team for the entire game, give up minimal points, uh, single digits. This was actually the first game that we saw a score uh, given up to the starters. Typically in in the first three games, uh, each of the scores came late in the game uh but you know the, these scores uh this score this touchdown came early in the game uh it was Rod Moore who basically didn't take the right angle he overattacked uh we forgive you rod he he was it was his first couple of plays back from injury uh he got burned by the receiver the Rutgers receiver uh took a long touchdown to the house Rutgers went up 7 to nothing uh exactly what we would expect to happen with Rutgers right they're a nitty gritty team they take, take after their head coach, Greg Shiano. Uh We knew that it might be a dogfight early and that Michigan might pull away late. Well, that's exactly what happened. It was a dogfight early. Michigan pulled away late. Um, props to Mike Sanders. still. Uh, he had an incredible game-changing uh, 71-yard interception that he took to the house, but he is actually not my player of the game. Let me hand out a player of the game. And of course... Here on the Big House Bleachers podcast, we call the Player of the Game Award. This guy right here and this
0: guy right here.
1: So let me talk about this guy right here. And this guy right here for me is not a guy that we've ever talked about, I don't believe, on this podcast before. If we did, it was very briefly. But there is a young receiver that's starting to make himself available as an option to this offense. And you can tell that the coaching staff definitely has confidence in him uh, there was about 5 minutes to go in the first uh, in the first half uh, i believe the game was still tied i think it was 7 to 7 uh Mi- michigan was re- really kind of struggling to separate the fans were impatiently waiting for somebody to make a move it was third and 7 michigan really needed to make a play and who do they go to through the air it's not cornelius johnson it's not roman wilson it's not Colston Loveland or A.J. Barner. It's not, not even Tyler Morris or Donovan Edwards. They call Samaj Morgan's number. Samaj Morgan, a.k.a. the dub show, made a difficult grab while being blanketed by the defender. Samaj Morgan gets my... This
0: guy right here and this guy right here.
1: This guy right here, Samaj Morgan. Uh, we're looking forward to watching you play more and more uh, Michigan moves to 4-0, Nebraska next week, Michigan will be in Lincoln, uh, but before we look ahead at that game, I want to send us over to an awesome conversation. We had uh, some some guests that we welcomed back on the podcast, Andy Bailey and Jared Stormer from Mason Brew and the Out of the Blue podcast. Uh, give this a listen, I think you guys will really enjoy. Here they are. All right, we are here with Taylor Swift's and Travis Kelsey's favorite power couple, the (laughs) J-Man, Jared Stormer,
0: and Andy Bailey from the Out of the Blue podcast. What is up, bros? Uh, Sir, good to be here. I'm pretty sure we make Taylor Swift and Travis Kelsey look like Lyle Lovett and Julia Roberts. So, there's that. Certainly an
2: upgrade, at least in terms of talent, um, looks, uh pretty much everything else. That's what you get with us.
1: Well, welcome back to the show, gentlemen. I'm glad we got the dress rehearsal out of the way. I just did a quick segment on your podcast. That's not the real podcast. Now you guys are on the real podcast. This is the BHB pod. So we're gonna we're gonna ingratiate you the right way. And we're gonna talk a little bit about what this meek I'm sorry, what this week made you say. So, Andy, I'm going to head your way first. Uh, What had you saying this week?
2: So, in the Michigan game, there's not a lot to highlight about Rutgers besides the obvious, but their punter hit an absolute missile that traveled just a little bit above the ground and went 75 yards in total distance. It was unbelievable. It was something that stands out to me because I am a true football sicko and appreciate good punting. I mean, No disrespect to my boy Tommy Doman here, The Weapon, but Rutgers punter had me saying sheesh this week.
1: Random nameless Uh, Rutgers punter.
2: Sheesh!
0: His
2: his name isn't worth looking up. He punts for Rutgers. Like, what else am I going to do with that information? (laughs) Uh,
0: I I love that you were presented this homework and couldn't do a quick Google of the man. You're like, whoever that guy was. It's
2: not worth my search history.
0: (laughs) Uh, Is it my turn? Yeah. yeah, go for it,
1: Jared. Uh, Why not?
0: All right. Um, I I think I understand the essence, the the genesis of the sheesh. But my sheesh goes the other way. How about Cade McNamara, the uh, the offensive dynamo that is Cade McNamara, fifty six total yards passing, a just explosive total team output of seventy six total yards. We're talking at least four first downs. Uh, we were talking uh, a shutout. We're talking zero points on the board. uh, Cade McNamara had a worse yardage outing than Spencer Petrus ever did in 10 minimum attempts. His five completed passes traveled a total of seven yards through the air. Seven yards, negative three, four, one, and negative two. Cade McNamara, sheesh. Sheesh.
1: Michigan legend Cade McNamara, that is. (laughs) Um, You know, the, the, (laughs) the, the (laughs) the thing that was gratifying about that was it came on the heels of that comment where he kind of was giggling like a 12-year-old saying, I don't know what it's like for a defense to score points. And then and then uh, Michigan's defense literally outscores Iowa's offense this week. So uh, I love that call-out. I thought you might go with Ryan Day there, uh, Jared, but equally as impressive, a Cade McNamara sheesh. I'm going to keep it uh, right here at home with our Michigan Wolverines. Uh, there was a play that I, I would... I guess, called the play of the game. It was definitely the biggest uh, momentum changer of the game. Mike Sandra still came up with an impressive interception. And the thing that literally had me saying sheesh about this play was I did my kind of patented, uh, obnoxious, way too loud celebration for a turnover. And when I was doing that, I turned around because I I assumed he was down. I, you know, I I watched the play. I think half the team on the field thought he was down and I turned back around after celebrating and saw he was on the 20-yard line, and I literally was like, sheesh. So this week, my sheesh goes to my man, Mikey still the guy I've been proclaiming as an All-American, Mike Sanristill, sheesh.
2: I mean sheesh. He squatted Junior Colson in the play. Will Johnson is celebrating putting his sword down, and Mikey's just, you see the receiver skills quickly kick in. As he cuts, gets a Kenny G block all the way to the end zone. That's a great call. Best play of the season so far, right?
1: Yeah, yes. I, I mean, I would say so. Yes. And, and, and I think yeah. his interception to kick things off uh, this season was probably up there as well. So uh, Mike Sanders still is making an early case for like the MVP of the team, I would say.
2: Yeah, if Chris Jenkins totally had agree. scored on that interception, that would be right in the Ooh. conversation. But down at the one, down at the one, Agreed. Also, just to pile on to the Cade McNamara and Iowa slander <laughs> while I'm here, um, it, Iowa had not, the last time Iowa was shut out, we weren't even remembering 9 11. It was the year 2000, the last time Iowa was shut out. So it's been a long time since we've seen an offensive outing this porous from the Iowa Hawkeyes.
1: Wow. Great <laughs> reference. <laughs>
0: You got to squeeze in a
1: 9-11 reference, yeah.
0: We had, moved, we had moved well past it, and you're bringing up 9-11? <laughs> All
1: right, cue the uh, Toby Keith song or whatever that country song is. <laughs> well, gentlemen, you may have noticed that my uh, better half, my partner in crime, Matt Hartwell, is not here today. He was supposed to be here. He's not feeling well, so Matt, uh, get well soon, buddy. We miss you. But we do have what I believe is kind of a fun assignment. We wanted to, we wanted to drum up some something interesting. Do a segment with you that we've never really done before. And so the idea here is that in the college football world, in the Twitter world, in the sports world in general, we love to get uh, you know just riled up. We love to have overreactions, and so we have positive overreactions. We have negative overreactions, and so the nature of this segment is. Uh, we're each gonna pick something that makes us say the sky is falling, right? The sky is falling. Everything's going to hell. The sky is falling, uh, and then we're each gonna pick something that's that's uh, hang the banner, right? Things are going so well. We're on a roll. It's unstoppable. Hang the banner. We're gonna win it all. And so for me, I, I kept this Michigan football related, but you guys don't necessarily have to. Uh, we can you know do anything in the sports or pop culture world, but you know this is a Michigan football podcast, so that would be relevant as well. Um, Jared, do you want to kick us off with a sky is falling?
0: Sure. Yeah, I would absolutely be happy to. Uh, Donovan Edwards only has 206 yards rushing. The sky is falling. Now, correct me if I'm wrong here. Am I supposed to kind of twist this into like why I think this is actually a bad thing or explain why you're an idiot for thinking that? (laughs)
1: Well, we don't have <laughs> rules, but uh, I mean, the idea was that you would st- you would step all the way into the idiot persona for a moment, but then you could back out of it and say oh, what so, you really so feel. put your idiot yeah. hat on,
2: log on Twitter, brothers, and act like brothers fire went off.
0: it's already there. I'm ready for this. Born ready for this. Uh, yeah. Look, Donovan Edwards uh, thought to be an explosive number two, like one, two punch uh, thunder and lightning. I just, I just hear a little thunder off in the distance. You know, I, I don't see any lightning, um, you know, a couple nice catches, but like, where's the explosive Donovan Edwards as a, a, a receiver out of the backfield that we were seeing? Where's the um, the like unique ways of getting him involved? I mean, I'm watching Miami dolphins hang 70 points up there. Like where's the unique concepts to get Donovan Edwards involved? Why hasn't he, I mean, what's his average right now? His average is.
1: 3.3 yards, yards per 3. carry. 3.3
0: 3 yards per carry, yeah. So not great. Um, considering he was leading like right up there towards the top of the country last year in yards per carry. So um, yeah, pretty, pretty stark contrast between this year and last year for Donovan Edwards. I guess the sky's falling.
1: I guess the sky's falling. You're not really selling it there, Jared. But you know, the I think we the sky is falling. There you go. There's chicken little. All right. <laughs> so I you know, I think we all agree that that this average his average is going to go up he's going to bust some long runs right like we don't it's foolish to to say that this guy is falling here right
2: yeah of, of course it is i mean just think about like coming off the injury and the timeline for that like how long it took McCarthy to really get into a rhythm last year throwing the football edwards is going to have the same thing with like his knee and getting everything healthy and then understanding his cuts and his patience and decision making plus devin gardner had a great point on monday morning quarterback this morning about how it's hard to get in a rhythm when you're only getting carry here, carry there. It's going to take a little bit longer for him to fully just get like initiated back into like the offense and the flow of everything. It's coming. It's just going to take a little bit longer. But Donovan's going to have his moment sooner than later.
0: Yeah. And uh, to be fair, I don't believe any of that that I was saying. I love that we're keeping Donovan fresh for the end of the year. We're going to need him in October. We're going to need him in November for now. I'm a little intrigued by some Mullings minutes. Maybe give me a couple Mullings carries in there. I wouldn't hate it. So keeping him fresh is just a net positive for the team.
1: That is the one thing that was kind of interesting, right, is, is Corum was slicing and dicing. Uh, Edwards was not getting anywhere. And then Mullings came in at the end of the game and he was slicing and dicing. So it, I, it, it does favor the the crowd that's saying, like, what's up with Donovan Edwards, but I, I just I, I agree with Andy here. It, he's going to get a rhythm. Uh, he's going to get into it. He's been effective in the passing game. And so I think, I think everything we're seeing out of Donovan Edwards is he's still exactly what we thought he was. We just haven't seen the big plays
2: yet. The craziest thing with Michigan, I think we saw it at the end of that game with Khalil Mullings, is I think we could legitimately line up and just run power and counter from under center and win all four of these games we've won so far this season.
0: Yeah. Yeah. Andy, do you want to do the honors? I'd love to see it. (laughs) You're telling me.
1: (laughs) Andy, you got a sky is falling uh, moment or stat or, you know, item for us.
2: Of course I do. You know me, the mountain of optimism. Here's my sky is falling. Got my moron hat on. Here we go. Uh, The offensive line for a few reasons. Uh, Speed rushes continue to give Michigan's offensive tackles hella problems. Initially, Carson Barnhart, Ladarius Henderson, and Miles Hinton do a solid job of pushing uh, these rushers up the field, but even semblance of a counter move at the top of the rush has proved to be an issue for all three. Uh, Furthermore, communication issues persist, especially on blitzes. Uh, So uh, Drake Nugent sets protection initially. JJ can make adjustments. I think Nugent's missing some of those assignments, and Michigan's still searching for its best five across the front. Until Michigan can lock in and establish top five that can work together for three or four games. I think these communication breakdowns are going to cause the sky to fall late in the season
0: uh well said, and like that actually has a bit more of a ring of truth to it than the one that I threw out there because if we don't get communications better against like even Penn states and Ohio states of the world, that actually could come to fruition. so definitely something that needs to improve, whereas I think we could probably survive if donovan Edwards. Is just having a slightly down year. There might be somebody else that steps up, or quorum just goes super cyan. So it's a well taken point, but also the point of an idiot.
1: <laughs> well, this this is a uh, a stance that a lot of people are taking, right? There is a little bit of uh, what happened to Michigan's offensive line crowd out there, and I I, I agree with Jared here that like there's some semblance of truth in there. That's a, it makes me a little fearful at times, but. You, you look at when, when it's really mattered and the O-line just, just you know, needs a play. They they run quorum up the A-gap. It's worked every single time. There's There's been a couple key, like, third down and sevens when Michigan just does the good old-fashioned, you know what? It's a passing down, but we're going to run it anyway. And they pick it up. And so when I see that, I'm like, ah, there that's the Michigan I know, you know? And so I don't think that the sky is genuinely falling here, but uh, you give it, you know, T- two rough games on the road here and then we might be talking you know singing a different song
2: well the best lies always have a little bit of truth just sewn in there before it gets screwed up and that's what mine has here uh, not concerned about the offensive line at all in the run game so two years ago Michigan ran a lot of counters that's what we ran against Ohio State and just ran it down their throat last year it became more of a duo team and this year teams are running basically duo stopping plays like they're crashing down on one uh, one offensive guard or one offensive tackle, really messing up assignments with movement. And it's going to take some time for them to get everything figured out. And I think one of the biggest advantages is with JJ and his legs. Like if your ends are going to crash down and double into a guard, it's going to leave the outside exposed. And that's also why I've seen the passing game take a leap. Sometimes I feel like fans can never be happy It's like, we want to see the passing game take off. It's like, all right, the passing game's doing better. It's like, but what about the run? It's like, well, we had 200 and 200 against a pretty solid defense this year. So I really don't think it's that big of an issue.
1: You know, Andy, I always live. I live by the motto that all facts have a little bit of lies just interwoven in there. So I I love, I love, you know, you kind of hit me with the opposite, but I, I just live by that. There's always a little dishonesty in every
0: fact, right?
2: Unless Jared's speaking to me, I take everything he says as gospel, so.
0: I mean, I, that's an interesting, like, the earth is round. But like, no, well, there might be a little bit of a lie to that. I don't know if I like, <laughs> to, to what level are you questioning everything? That's uh, a tree to, out there. Is it? Is, is it, though? Is it,
1: though? You know? And yes, guys, speaking of gospels, I, I want to talk to you guys about God. I know this is a Michigan football podcast, but we're going to talk about a guy by the name of God Moore. And when I when I look up at the sky and I just expect it to be up there looking blue, maybe some clouds, real high, you know, where it belongs. Yeah. Got it. And then it starts to and then it starts to fall down on me, I I panic, right? <laughs> and what happened what happened in this last game was God Moore, also known as Rod Moore, our mm. safety, our holy safety, he came in and basically on the first play of the game, the first meaningful passing play of the game. He looked like a guy that didn't know what he was doing. He over-attacked at a bad angle. He gave up the, the only touchdown the starters have given up this season. So I'm here to tell you that Rod Moore is not who we thought he was, and the sky is falling. The sky is falling. And, and you know what? <laughs> I, I crafted this one just for Andy because I've, I've heard him preach the God Moore uh, gospel, and, but, but, gentlemen, the sky is
2: falling. Oh, man. Um, I defer. Oh, man. It's like he played like a guy <laughs> that's been injured for the last seven weeks. You know, third play of the game, he misses one tackle. And all of a sudden we're like, oh, Kagan Star's back there. Get him in there. Get some minutes. No, this guy is not falling with Godmore. Came in the second half, still battling through an injury. Uh, you could obviously notice that. Like you can't, you can't simulate game reps in practice. You can try your best, but there's no substitution for the game. He took a bad angle. It wasn't helped by the fact that Mikey Sainer still also fell down. So that could have adjusted yeah. his pursuit of the football in the same play. Came back in the second half, played fine. Like if there was any player, I'm going to like be least worried about the rod Moore. like it doesn't exist. Like the Church of God is stronger than ever. We have take there's been some hit pieces. You know, I just listened to one. But like stronger than ever, thou shall still not pass.
0: Thou shall not pass on the Sabbath Ivor, who has filled in quite nicely. Uh, for Godmore and uh, Makari Page currently outplaying Godmore. Uh, not that uh... <laughs> just, don't, don't, <laughs> I just did that. That was specifically to, to rile up Andy. Uh, <laughs> I don't believe that either. Um, but just while we're we're talking nonsense here, yeah, Godmore is going to be just fine back there. Him and Makari Page. Like I'm still so excited to see what that is at full power and what this secondary is at full power, which we have not seen yet. Um, I think we were talking a little bit off air and something that I've, I've said is that like, this is the most I've trusted a secondary. <sighs> I mean, you got to go way back, way back. The most I've trusted a secondary at Michigan in a long, long time. And we're just not really going to get tested. Like we're really gearing up for, uh, what is his name? Heimlich von Hilmer, whoever we've got this week at Rucker or at <laughs> Nebraska. There's just nobody that's really going to test the secondary. And uh, yeah, you could afford a little Godmore slip up. There's a lot of a lot of names behind him that can really help. So even like if you were going to say he was going to have a down year, I'd say great, bring him back for another season. That's delightful. You know, we know what we have in him. We know what we have behind him. The secondary is just not a question mark for me, which is delightful. I absolutely love that.
1: Well, you know, it felt bad even playing that character because it's it's just such you know, a dumb take. Like you know, and 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 Andy, you're <laughs> I right. Don't like, like being an idiot. Yeah, I don't. I like. I hope nobody clips that and is like, "See, he hates you know Rod more." But you know, it, it's it, it was like his first playback from injury. Like he didn't he didn't yeah. get to warm up against UNLV like everybody else did. Like we know what we have, and and uh, I always like to say Rod works in mysterious ways. You know.
0: Yes, in good. Rod we trust.
1: <laughs> in Rod we trust absolutely. So let's go ahead and flip it around, man. Uh, hang the banner. Things are too good to be true. Uh, we're going to win the next 10 national championships. What makes you feel that way, Jared?
0: Look, J.J. McCarthy is completing 80% of his passes. He's just going to continue to do that no matter what happens. Um, those three interceptions don't count. Doesn't matter. Not a real thing. Um, just look at that 80% number. Let's uh, let's only focus on that. And if you only focus on that, you see a quarterback with no flaws. That is going to lead this team to uh, to the promised land. But if you look beyond that, like, you know, that's your prerogative. I wouldn't do that. Just stay with me here on the 80 percent thing where uh, he would be the most efficient quarterback in the history of Michigan. He's on pace to break the record. You guys are doing an awesome job of tracking that. One of my favorite little bits that you got going this year, which is something we've all got our eye on. Um, Let's not deny that. And he's on pace. You know, it might not be how we all thought he'd get here, but he is on pace. So. Um, yeah, record-setting year from JJ McCarthy. Eighty percent completions. Records are going to fall. One would think a national title comes with it. Hang
2: records the banner. Records are going to fall
0: and banners are going to be hung. Hang them.
1: <laughs> I, s- I see no. <laughs> yeah, I see no issues with any of that. I, there's no delusion. It's it's all it's all fact. Um, but as we know, all facts are <laughs> mired with a little bit of dishonesty. <laughs> We've <laughs> all already established facts have a lie that.
0: within them. Uh, yes. All
1: facts come with a lie, gentlemen. So uh, I don't know, Andy, are you hanging the banner on that one, too? You like what Jared's got going on?
2: I, I like what he's cooking. No, I mean, everything he said is factual. You can you can clearly tell he took his idiot hat off like this was much more yeah. reasonable.
0: Yes. Yeah. I mean, if yeah. we're going to play I devil's I advocate, off screen, that's what I did.
1: Yeah, yeah, the idiot hat is off. If we're going to play uh, devil's advocate here, uh, you know, three interceptions against Bowling Green. Uh, I-, I forgive JJ for that. Um, I-, I, d- I think that's a statistical anomaly. I don't think it's a pattern. But it can't be ignored, right? Like, I mean, that that is probably oh, the... <laughs> well, yeah. Watch. It's-, it's probably the weakest defense we're going to play all year, and the dude threw three picks. You know, it's it's not a great look so uh it is something to keep an eye on that if he if he tends to you know catch a case of the turnovers which knock on wood you know will not happen uh it's just something to keep an eye on but uh i, I yeah hang the banner JJ is gonna break the record andy what do you have for us sir all
2: right we're hanging the banner boys Michigan is one of the most balanced teams in the country on both sides of the ball. Offensively, the passing attack is the most efficient in the country, and the rushing attack is a monster that every team fears with eight or nine people in the box at all times. Defensively, the front four is an impenetrable wall, and the secondary is a cold blanket with no reprieve. And the best thing about Team 144 is that the offense and defense still haven't even hit their stride, and this team is winning games on average of 32-6 to six through a third of the season
0: man I hang that out the wear fucking that as a banner. quilt oh that my takes, god whew.
2: hang the banner baby
0: yes yeah,
1: sir me up. andy i need you to follow <laughs> me around and just narrate my life in exactly the tone yeah. you just used there because just that say things you just say things and words and stuff because that was excellent um yeah hang the banner michigan is balanced i mean what, I what heard do you want i had a good
2: me? speaking voice mel tucker's been trying to call me for weeks
0: don't pick that up <laughs> been ignoring <laughs> yeah. it Ignore it.
1: Yeah, that's a spam call. Definitely mark that as a high risk spam.
0: <laughs> yeah, that uh, look, I've got nothing to add to that other than can we print that out in like 34 point Helvetica, space it out over a quilt, and then I want to wear that quilt to bed every night and have those words keep me warm as I sleep and dream about the balance of this Michigan team.
2: Obviously, you can see which one I really believe in. Like, I mean, this is just straight up statistics and how this team is built and what we've been harping on all offseason in the past month. So when people are on, you know, like claiming the sky is falling, it's like, just look at the facts of the situation. Look at the balance. Look at the preservation Mm -hmm. and the focus on the end goal. That's all that matters.
0: Oh, see, I think I did this wrong. I went a little bit sarcastic on both sides, but I like that you actually went like, Look here at what's happening here. Behold what is happening with this Michigan team. Oh yeah, yeah. Well done. I I like the way you did that better. Thanks. Just take his answer (laughs) when
1: you're in. Yeah, when you're a helpless, romantic, incurable optimist of a Michigan fan, like the the fantasy and reality become one and the same. Right. I I, I don't think I've ever thought that Michigan wasn't going to win at all, and that's that's my disease, fellas. That's you know that's my problem. Um, I tell you what, I got something that has me saying hang the banner um the michigan wolverines ran through the tough pirates of east carolina and held them to single digits then they moved on to the rebels they went from pirates to rebels that sounds difficult doesn't it i mean that's tough and they held the rebels to single digits and then you know they had they had to look up in the sky and there was falcons they ran through (laughs) these falcons we're talking Pirates, Rebels,
2: Falcons, single digits. Is this and the then, Civil War?
1: And then, well, yeah, as a matter of fact, it is the Civil War because next up, there were Scarlet Knights. Uh, don't don't, don't fact-check me here. I think there were Knights in the Civil War. So anyway, um, the, the Scarlet Knights got held to single digits. Michigan has the number one scoring defense in the country against the Gauntlet. That they've played so far, the the, uh, you know, incredibly tough teams that they've held to single digits. Number one scoring defense in the country. Hang the banner.
0: I could run through 13 or 14 Falcons. Easy. <laughs> Line them up. <laughs> I don't know about pirates, though, like my running some tough times out there. They were a smaller species back then. I, I think the average human was five, six tops. So like 10, 11 Tom Cruise sized people, oh, yeah. all of them wearing jewelry.
2: Yeah. And they're not like
0: jacked up on like uh, the Tom Cruise, just like a mortal strength from
2: the Church of Scientology. So like it's going to be more of a fair fight, too. I like this. Yeah. <laughs> okay. Yeah. Uh, this so this was fact in science.
0: <laughs> <laughs> so, yeah, ten Tom this one sized pirates. Got it.
1: This went exactly the direction I, I predicted that it would actually <laughs> that's ex- exactly exactly where I thought we were going with this conversation. So yeah, hang the banner. You guys it sounds to me like you guys don't disagree. <laughs> I don't know.
2: No, nope.
0: oh, yeah. yeah, I mean, yeah, this this logic is sound. So after we beat corn huskers this week, what is uh, a what is the physical embodiment of a corn husker? Is that just a corn farmer? i could definitely yeah. fight a corn farmer maybe yeah, i don't know man yeah ah, corn yeah probably
2: have. <laughs> probably, probably so we got, have. have. Yeah. got a few gophers coming our way go gophers um, yeah. that's
0: tough
1: don't Couple fuck with gophers. the
0: gophers yeah 11 <laughs> gophers scares me i would not fight 11 gophers what about a hoosier this is a person from indiana i've done that what is that yeah <laughs> there's no telling
1: there's Dude, no. That tell- this weekend. i mean we've yeah. We finished the season with a nut. So, you know, I, I don't know. I don't know if this schedule's that hard. I,
0: yeah, you know. In, inedible nut.
1: In, inedible nut. So, uh, you know. Useless. All right. Well, if anybody's still listening to this podcast, you know, I just, I, I just, I, I just want to say. Mel Tucker say,
2: finishes with one, too. <laughs>
1: um, I, you know, you bring up Mel Tucker, Andy. Let's go ahead and wrap things up with Ryan Day because there's a. There's something else that has me saying, hang the banner, and I'm very serious about this. You know, Michigan's uh, primary opponent is is Ohio State. We always know that year in and year out. It's a Michigan-Ohio State dance. Um, yeah, Penn State on the road is not to be overlooked. That's a different conversation. Yeah. It all comes down to the game. Uh, and Ryan Day this week, for reasons yet unknown, has chosen to pick a fight with 86 year old Lou Holtz, who I don't even believe knew that he was insulting Ohio State and Ryan Day when he did. Um, and no, all he of the people. He, he literally does not know which way is up. And in and, and the post game interview, if anybody missed it, Ryan Day with a screeching a pubescent crack in his voice got uh you know, incredibly angry and uh tried to pick a fight with Lou Holtz. And I got I really got fearful for the the female reporter that was interviewing him. Um it, it, you know, and so for some reason he's he's completely soft. He's picking fights with Lou Holtz. To me, when my coach is saying, hey, talk to the players, talk to this guy right here, and Ohio State's coach is uh trying to fight clouds, um you know, hang the banner. We've we've already won the psychological war.
2: Well, I mean, he, he has to pick a fight he can win, and there, I don't even know if he can win the Lou Holtz one. The female reporter, I was trusting her to hold her own. I mean, she looked like a strong yeah. woman, so I was was not afraid of that by any means. But yeah, you know, you got you got to look for fights you can win. You never want to pick somebody too overmatched. I think Lou Holtz and him, you know, size wise, I mean, Lou's definitely not at his best. Prime years are behind him, but he's still a squirrely guy. There's a little bit to him. He's got some bite in there still. So. I think he could do some things to Ryan Day, um, but joking aside, the comments were just asinine. It made no sense. It was very distracting, takes away from a team win that could have been just the talking point of college football season. But now everybody's talking about Ryan Day acting like a petulant child, trying to tell everybody how tough he is instead of letting a performance speak for itself.
0: Yeah, and uh, big picture here. We need to be on the lookout for who might be next in Ryan Day's just tirade of vitriol. So uh, Bob Barker died, so he's out. So Lee I'm looking Corso at Dick Van Dyke. Lee Corso has to be
2: towards the top. Yeah, Lee Corso
0: towards the Lee top. Lee Corso. Mel Brooks still alive. Uh, Jimmy Carter in his 90s. He, uh, he is just a ripe target. Clint Eastwood, 93 years old. I would be on the lookout here. Keep your, keep uh, your Scorsese. eyes open.
2: Scorsese's around there.
0: Yeah, Kirk who's Douglas the, uh... still alive. Did, did Betty White die? Yeah. I think Betty, Betty White, White died. Died. She Betty died. died. Betty White, who's, you're, who's... you're safer now
1: mitch mcconnell right the politician that's there just, kind of you just, go. just yeah. spacing yeah. out i'd be on I feel the lookout like that. yeah <laughs> we better watch yeah. your back mitch mcconnell ryan day is creeping or, in the yeah, shadows for you
0: ryan day has an agenda he uh, he's got some <laughs> takes he wants to get off of his chest and he is targeting women children and the elderly
1: well gentlemen i couldn't have asked for a better segment i mean th- this is about as good as it gets <laughs> So, hey, let's wrap things up here. Uh, Jared, uh, where can people find you?
0: Uh, I mean, maybe drunk behind a Kinko's or an Arby's, depending on what night you're looking. But generally on maizeandbrew.com, I sometimes write. uh, But my paramour here uh, is certainly known for that. But check us out on Out of the Blue podcast, which you can find on Spotify, Apple Music. Come over to Brew, You can access the pod there. On Twitter, I'm at JStorm303 if you're so inclined, although Twitter's not a real place, but feel free.
1: And Andy, yeah, what I'm, about you, sir?
2: See, so yeah, I'm over at B. You can find me writing for maizeandbrew.com. You can mostly find me on the Out of the Blue podcast coming twice a week, every Tuesday and Thursday. Jared and I chopping it up. Uh, catch me at some games this year. I'll be at Purdue. All of us, Jared, Michael, Matt, and myself, will all be at the Ohio State game this year. So we're kind of omnipresent just everywhere in the Michigan sphere. If you look hard enough, you'll be able to find us.
1: Well, in all seriousness, uh, the Out of the Blue podcast is is one of the best things out there. I mean, you guys take legitimate statistical analysis and mix it with with humor and pop col- culture in a way that other people don't. And so uh, it's really entertaining. So all of our listeners out there, get, get over there, uh, listen to the Out of the Blue podcast. Uh, for Michael Smeltzer, Jared Stormer, Andy Bailey, as always, go blue.
2: Go blue. Go Thank blue. you.
1: And we are back. I'm in the studio solo again. My man, Matt Hartwell's not feeling well. Uh, get well soon, Matt. If, if you need something to do with your time, you can start working on uh, that quilt that has the amazing the blue transcription of the Andy Bailey speech that he gave uh, during that amazingly hilarious segment. Uh, shout out to, to Andy and Jared for being such amazing guests. Uh, you know, let's talk a little bit about the conference. Then we'll talk a little bit about what's going on nationally. And then and then we'll look ahead to Nebraska. Uh, in the conference, there's, there's really uh, something that's taking shape that we already knew would happen. But uh, the rich are getting richer. The poor are getting poorer. Uh, it's Michigan, Ohio State, and Penn State. No matter what order you put those three in, It is very clear that those are the top three teams in the nation. Michigan hasn't played a close game yet. They haven't been expected to. They've played pretty much inferior opponents. Uh, Ohio State uh, got a big win, big win against Notre Dame. Uh, They looked tough at times. Notre Dame manhandled them as well at times. Uh, They definitely looked beatable, but the fact is that Ohio State uh, won that game 17-14. to 14. They came out with a W, so Ohio State remains uh, near the top of the Big Ten and the top of the nation for that matter. And I think the surprise this week in the Big Ten, like the the shocking surprise, was the efficiency and the magnitude that the Penn State Nittany Lions beat the Iowa Hawkeyes with. I mean, you, you wouldn't have expected that dominant of a performance. The Iowa Hawkeyes were possibly considered the best team in the West division uh, you know which is obviously the inferior division of the Big Ten but most people would say Iowa maybe Wisconsin before this week well nobody's going to be saying Iowa after this week Penn State embarrassed them it was uh, I don't have the score in front of me but it was 30 something to nothing uh, Cade McNamara basically didn't do anything the Iowa Hawkeyes had a plethora of turnovers they had I want to say it was like 76 total yards of offense. Penn State absolutely destroyed the Hawkeyes. And so we don't know what that means. We don't know. Does it mean Penn State is actually that good? Or does it mean that Iowa is actually that bad? Um, I think we will learn more about Penn State as the season progresses. But, you know, I'm not uh, thrilled about going on the road against Penn State this year. Uh, You know, that will be tough. Uh go, Michigan travels to Happy Valley, the third to last game of the season, And so uh, that'll be a game to watch. And then, of course, uh, then it's Maryland and Ohio State. So Michigan's entire uh, strength of schedule is sitting in the back, you know, three or four games of the season. Around the country, there were, you know, there was a lot going on. There was a lot of, of top 25 matchups. I think Florida State is the first team that's actually won two big games against quality opponents. Uh they looked, you know, suspect against Boston College, but people tend to be uh, you know, giving them a pass there. There was, you know, their quarterback Jordan Travis was a little bit banged up there and they pulled out the victory, but uh they have that monster win against LSU. They have uh, a big win now against Clemson in overtime this this past week and so Florida State Looks to be for real. They look to be the cream of the crop in the ACC, and as long as they can get past the Duke Blue Devils, um, and of course, there's you know North Carolina and Miami to keep an eye on. I, I don't have their schedule pulled up in front of me, but uh, Florida State it to be, uh, appears to be the clear front runner in the ACC. Texas Longhorns look good, uh, while Oklahoma remains unbeaten in the in the Big Twelve. Uh, there's a little bit of an interesting thing happening in the Pac-12. Uh, Colorado got ob- obliterated by Oregon. I mean, the the Colorado show appears to be uh, the curtain is closing on that show. You could say they got USC this week, and I don't anticipate that game to be much more enjoyable than the Oregon game was for Colorado fans. And so they seem to have taken themselves out of the equation. Uh, but the AP poll came out this week, and the Pac-12 has four, count them, four teams in the top 10. You've got USC, Washington, Oregon, and Utah all in the top 10, which is incredibly ironic because the Pac-12 will not remain a conference next year, right? It's going to cease to exist. And another interesting thing about that is three of those four teams are actually going to the Big Ten next year. So you could say that there's actually six teams from the 2024 Big 10 in the current top 10. You've got Michigan, Ohio State, Penn State, USC, Oregon, and Washington all in the top 10. Um, so, yeah, you know, the Pac 12, it, it looks like whoever comes out of that conference, if they don't cannibalize themselves, uh, will likely be a, a quality playoff contender. And then, you know, very quietly, the SEC is is drifting into mediocrity. And, and I, I don't think that we're going to see that persist, but uh, the struggles of Alabama, uh, Georgia looks a little bit less dominant. There's, there's a lot of teams that are, you know, LSU losing early to Florida State. Uh, there's a lot of things that are feeding into this. Um, A&M, not, uh, once again, not uh, living up to expectations early in the season. Um, they're leaving the door open for other conferences to come in and stake claim to some of those top spots. Uh, Of course, Georgia's record is not great. It's right up there with Michigan and Texas and Oklahoma as as some of the weakest schedules in the country. And so we don't expect Georgia to give up that number one position anytime soon. But uh, around the conference, the SEC is looking uh, vulnerable. And so... You know, from the national stage where Michigan fits into all of this, it's interesting. Michigan is um, not getting love from certain media outlets. ESPN's FPI rankings, they're in love with the Buckeyes. They don't love Michigan. They've got Michigan down at 10, 11, or 12, which to me is asinine. Um, You know, the AP voters really like Michigan. There's not a single voter that has them lower than 5 at least uh, last week that was the case. I, I think this week it's the same. And so most people that are watching college football right now agree that Michigan is in a handful of teams that are within striking distance of the college football playoff and ultimately the national championship. Uh, the next team that stands in their way is the Nebraska Cornhuskers. Nebraska is its well documented. They are at basically the lowest of lows that they've been at. Um, As a program, they've struggled to keep their head above water. First-year head coach Matt Rule uh, even came out this week and says that he um, idolizes—well, I don't know if idolizes is the right word, but he looks up to Jim Harbaugh and the way Harbaugh built the Michigan program, and he hopes to emulate that in Lincoln, Nebraska. Unfortunately for him— He's just not going to be able to do that in one year, probably not two or three years even. And so uh, Nebraska doesn't look to be that formidable of an opponent. But we know, you know, playing on the road in Lincoln, uh, they've got some talent on that team. It's still Nebraska. Uh, Matt Rule's a good coach. And so we don't want to head on in there uh, too cocky. But um, unless there's some major curveballs in this game, I would say that Michigan should be able to walk in, uh get a dub, walk out and and start focusing on Minnesota the next week. Um next time we we'll, uh will be back for the podcast. It should be me and Matt back together. We'll be hopefully talking about the 5 and 0 Michigan team and and recapping that game against Nebraska. Also be on the lookout for my Wolverine Chronicle Behind Enemy Lines segment. I'm interviewing an amazing Nebraska guest this week. You won't want to miss it. So uh, you can find Matt at all the great work he's doing at Maize & Brew. You can find me at wolverinechronicle.com. Uh, head on over to Twitter. Find me. It's at Wolverine Cron, or just look up Wolverine Chronicle on YouTube. Uh, it's been a great week. Let's get another one under the belt for Michael Smeltzer. That was the Big House Bleachers podcast. As always, go blue.